Grace and peace, uh, beloved friends, and welcome to Your Week with St. Luke's. This is the fourth of our four-week on our Advent series, where we've been looking at the, the gospel narratives of the nativity, the birth of Jesus. And uh, today, uh, all four of us are here to finish it up, and we're in the fourth gospel. Uh, the other gospels are considered the synoptic gospels. They're seen together. They share a lot of material. But John, John is vastly different. John is coming from a different perspective. He's a different voice in the choir. Um, and um, also John is one of the, is the latest of the gospels after the first century. It's the second century writing, uh, probably early in the second century around one tenish time um, and gives us just a totally different flavor uh, of, of, um, and a different perspective uh, of the God of the gospel of Jesus. Um, and I like to think of it that way as um we each have different perspectives on the same thing. And when we share that, we get a bigger picture of what's happening here. Um, so I'd love to ask you all, um, what else about John uh, do we remember from this past year? Remember from uh, years of study? What else about John is unique, frustrating, exciting? Well, John is where we get our I am sayings. Um, so that's that's one of the things that we talked through um, earlier this year. So those I am the way or the way I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. Those those things that we kind of have embedded in our or our own sort of like scriptural memory. Um, those pieces come from John. Um, John is also where we get Jesus turning water into wine, which I um, believe is a favorite of many St. Lucas, as I have heard. Um, so some of some of those like so. So when you start to think about John, those are some of the, the pieces that are probably already in your biblical memory um, that you find in John. Yeah, I'd say. Um... That the beginning, the begin, the the first six verses in chapter one read like uh, spoken word, you yeah. know. Poetry, snaps, right? It's like in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and but it's this very interesting kind of abstract theological uh, communication about who and what Jesus is in, in the respect of this of of the genre of a gospel. It's much different than any other uh, in any other gospel, which of course why it isn't one of the synoptics you know it's not it's not uh inspired in the same way or it's not um it doesn't draw references in the same way that the other gospels do yeah well and it's interesting because if mark <clears throat> mark started with the end in mind like the the end the 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 cross and resurrection in mind matthew and luke kind of start with the <clears throat> movement from israel from abraham to the people um the context of the people in the middle in mind, like John zooms way out to Genesis, John zooms way out to creation, to a cosmic understanding of, of again, gain perspective, like perspective folks, people, this is even beyond the empire. This is like, this is, this is the, I, I'm, I'm in charge of the universe. I'm in charge of everything, of all of creation. And Jesus was there from the very beginning. There is not a separation. There's not dualism of God, then Jesus came into the world and God went, oh, I got to try something else. Like, <laughs> this, we, this is one being, yeah. um, which, which again, it's that perspective of, God, this is a moment in time that we live in. Mm. It's such a small, minute moment in time. And 
And this is a bigger cosmic understanding. God is a bigger cosmic understanding. And so, yeah, while God is involved in this Christmas moment with us, God is bigger than that. I love the writer says, darkness will never apprehend the light, but it will also never comprehend it either. Darkness will never extinguish God's light because it never will never truly understand it. Mm-hmm. Like light, light. <laughs> I always try to remind us, I remember saying it at Pulse after Pulse. Remember folks, God separated light and darkness. And it doesn't mean that darkness then somehow got away, <laughs> like got away from God's yeah, work. Yeah. It's still, everything is still under God's control. Mm-hmm. Do not worry. So that for me, John, is that do not worry. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and to add with that, that pre-existence of Jesus is, is creates a, a greater establishment of who Jesus is in, in a totally different way. There's not angels singing. There's not uh, prophetic. There's not lineage. There is in that defining Jesus as the word of God, right? And that it pre-existed God. Jesus did it. <laughs> right. That, that to add on to that, that's just, it's, it sets a different tone. Um, yeah. I, I think of, I think if you saw a conversation between the gospel writers, John would just be the one sitting in the corner going, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mark's going, but he's, he's going to go to the cross and he's going to die. And it's going it, to, this is, and John will go, uh-huh. Yeah. And, and Matthew's like, but he's, he's the fulfillment of all of this, of, of this, this Israel, Israel and all of this. And John's going, uh-huh. Yeah. And Luke's going, but look what's coming. Look what's going ahead. And, and look at this story and all of this. And John's going, yeah, yeah, of course. And also all the rest of it. I mean, it, John is that knowing voice in the corner, wanting, wanting to, to really, really frame everything. And when you put it in that historical context of, of early second century, this is when Christian theology started happening. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we, we make assumptions about a lot of our theological concepts because we have centuries and centuries of experience of people being able to wrestle with these things, but people are first starting to wrestle with the theological implications of this and to craft creeds and to craft, um, you know, statements of what do we believe and, and the separation of Christian Christianity as its own thing. And so John has to be a little more theological. John is placing this in a bigger picture because it's not about the immediacy of, you know, the destruction of the temple. It's not about the immediacy of what's going on in that late first century time. We've, we've moved into kind of a new era and John gets the opportunity to, to help us place ourselves in that bigger picture to see it's beyond what we've experienced. Hmm. Yeah. And it, that, that, that's, I like that. That's that establishment, right? There's, there's the immediacy, there's a lineage, there's, but there's this, we're here and this is, this is Christ has always been here. And yeah, I like, that's helpful in that historical context. It's like, it's like for, for me, it's like going to the wise sage and I'm not going to say an age, I'm not going to say old, because I actually feel like John is younger and I don't know that we don't know the writer's age, but I always, you know, and maybe it's because of this book's influence and what we'll talk about in a minute with the house. I feel like it's a contemporary understanding, but it's that wise voice mm-hmm. that like draws you back. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then Jesus is able to come in in chapters like 14 and 15 and say, look, I'm the vine and you're there, but just abide with me, just stay mm-hmm. with me. If you love me, 
if you've seen me, you've seen the father, like, like that, that it's going to be okay. If you stay with me, I've gotten us through the whole creation of the universe. Like it's, it's all good. Mm-hmm. And John settles me. Yeah. Settles, I, me down, settles my heart down. Yeah. And when we did the resurrection accounts, uh, there's, there's that consistency. You even mentioned the abide with me goes back to the Genesis one, the John one, one, and it connects even to Thomas when he says, my Lord and my God, right? He's saying, you're God. And Jesus has been saying that abide with me. You're abiding with the father, the father and me. And, you know, so John's got that settling, calming through line that, that, yeah, it's, it's literally in a literary sense is, is brilliant. And also in a theological sense, it's very. Well, and it's that the first part, like, like Jeremy said, is this so lofty cosmic, you know, the word was God, James Earl Jones kind of, (laughs) I just hear him saying that. And then, and then I, I, I interweave what Eugene Peterson says, and then that cosmic big God moved into the neighborhood, mm-hmm. came, came yeah. to be close, claimed to move into your neighborhood. And it's that, you know, that, that big, it's not so big that you're not a part of it. Yeah. Speaking of neighborhoods, Melissa, can you tell us more about the house and what, and what the yeah. house might look like? So John's house is, is one that, that kind of veers off in a very different way than Mark's does. Um, it again, doesn't give us that traditional Christmas um, look, uh, those traditional Christmas elements. Um, but the artist talks about that you can kind of see it glowing in the distance from a far way off because there's something about it that kind of glows. There's light. Um, light is a huge piece of John's house. Um, uh, the artist re- renders it very contemporary and very modern. Um, and, and kind of like Jen was talking about, but there's, there's something about it that, that also is warm. Um, you know, a lot of times we consider, we consider contemporary architecture to be very cold and, and, um, angles and things like that. And all of that's present, lots of glass, but also just tons of light. Um, it's, there's, there's a warmth that is cast. Um, and, and our picture of John is a little bit of that sage character who, um, who is able to offer this bigger picture, comforting wisdom. Um, the writer or the, the artist says, um, the house appears as a brilliant source of light that illumines the path and surroundings. Once the house has been seen, the observer can't turn away from it. Instead, one is drawn in and is invited to explore its surprises and mysteries. It's like walking inside a complex work of art. There are a lifetime of philosophical mysteries in this place. And just like the Gospel of John, they invite a lifetime of study and consideration. So there's there's something that not only reminds you of your place in the cosmos, um, that, that at Christmas, you know, I envision this being all white lights at John's house, um, but that 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 you you find your place in the midst of it, but you also recognize um, that you have been invited to to investigate all of it. It's it's not making you feel small. It's making you feel like you have access to so much more. Mm. Um, so that's that's where we see John's house. What does that do for y'all? Does that feel Christmassy at all? I'm giggling because the first thought I just had just now is Margot and Todd's house. 
from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, where it's all like modern and sleek, and but uh, but that's not really what I what what I I think of like Frank Lloyd Wright kind of uh, styling and how you capture what's what's uh, outside and bringing it in and all that light and. It's the guy's house. It's Ryan Reynolds' house from Spirited, the uh, New York apartment that you okay. know has just the white trees and the lights and really sleek. Which is interesting because again, I look at my house and I love my house, you know, and I love the way we decorate it and everything. But then I look at these like sleek, beautiful, clean houses that everything's white and silver and gold and perfectly put together and and understated but warm and I go oh gosh I, it, there's something that draws me in and I love mm-hmm. it and I'm like I'm like jealous of it because there's such there seems to be such order to it but yet I could get comfortable and like sit down and put on a yeah I just it's funny I'm very I'm very drawn to it it, it's mm-hmm. order that that makes you feel comfortable there because it's orderly, not order that makes you feel uncomfortable because you don't want to touch anything. I was and, just going to say that. I was going to say a, like, yeah, that a, makes me feel uncomfortable because if I don't right, want right. to break it's, it. It's that there's a place for everything, including me, <laughs> that kind of a, of a feel. And, and, and that, that again, the, just, just imagine light. I just imagine lots of different like chandeliers and um, lamps and things like that. There's no like can lighting or overhead lighting. It's all that warm kind of yellowish glow that just feels feels at home so I don't know what the other word would be but in my mind I hear it as it's not a museum mm-hmm. right but a blank and I don't know what the other word is yeah um maybe it is maybe it is just a home it's not a museum mm-hmm. but it's a home that's curated with uh things that that hold meaning you know yeah. what I mean? It, it is a place where you live and you do life and you get comfortable. Um, yeah. Well, and and you'll see on Sunday in our video that we have we have given John a an extensive library that that there is a library in John's house because there is much wisdom from many different sources. So while everything yeah. else is contemporary, there's lots of old books. So mm-hmm. that that kind of is the picture that we created for it. So, yeah, it's IKEA. <laughs> There you go. It is. You do feel comfortable at IKEA, right? Like they literally have you, you can sit on anything. You can lay on the couch. I don't know why I've had that in my head like this whole time that we've been talking. It's It's not a museum. It's IKEA. Maybe it's IKEA. It's not a museum. It's IKEA. I like that. I like that. Jesus meets us in IKEA. (laughs) Swedish meatballs and all. The light came into the world and moved into Ikea. Anyway. <laughs> but I think that's hopeful. They're not Ikea. No, no, no. But the rest of it is hopeful because I guess I, I, there's a sense of, it's, 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 it's interesting because like if one of them, if one of the gospels, probably Luke or Matthew is more political one is more in 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 lineage and and historical in terms of that movement. If Mark is salvific, then what is John? John is the theological one, but John is also like this hopeful kind of I don't I don't know like redemption. One I don't I don't know how to put it, but theological is it. It's the how do we talk about God and how do we think right. about God and. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Yeah. And it sheds light on other possibilities of how to talk about God, right? And opens opens 
a little bit like Luke, opens up more possibilities, definitely by expanding it further and drawing us back to Genesis in the beginning. Um, gives us more opportunities and options to see God and talk about God in new and life-giving ways. Here, it's in the book, Irenaeus said that God became what we are in order to make us what God is. And I yeah. don't ever think we talk about that. I don't, mm-hmm. I think we're so afraid to say, <clears throat> we talk about becoming Christ-like, right? But it's it's that, I think, Jeremy, have you talked to us, and we talked about this before, where, you know, it's it's imagining and an understanding of the image of God born within us but we forget that we're of the same substance and, and how do we become more like that? And I, and I don't think that's something that we talk about because we're afraid to talk about that. Yeah. I think we get, we get, I think we get a bit flustered when we begin to talk about us being made of the same stuff as God. Right. Right. Um, But it, but it's a, it's a huge comfort and it, and it, and it is about like, that's the, that's the, uh, the walk that we walk as people of faith, that's uh, mm-hmm. sanctification. That is asking ourselves, what does it mean to be a force of love in the world uh, or, or to become a bigger source of love in the world, a more pure love, a source of love in the world, like the God from which we come? Yeah. It It's almost like when we talk about love, it's more comfortable to say, I want God's love to work through me rather than I want my love to be God-like. Mm. Mm-hmm. right yeah. that yeah. that feels that feels who um <laughs> a little more uncomfortable so yeah it says god became what we are in order to make us what god is that is in order to set us free from all that hurt and brokenness and shame the word was made flesh so that we can be restored as the beautiful and loving people we were meant to be um, the word became us flesh and blood so that we might become what we were meant to be. You know, we always, yeah, it's, it's transformation, but it's always, we always consider our transformation as hu- we are humans and we're going to do the best we can, but it is, it is lifting us to this higher understanding of divinity within mm-hmm. us at work, mm-hmm. transforming us into what we were meant to be, which is a little lesser than the angels, the gospel says. And I don't think we ever, I don't take that seriously enough. Mm. I don't ever put myself loved as little little lesser than the angels. Like, oh my gosh, that's powerful. Yeah, That's a different picture of discipleship. Because we see disciples through the other three gospels. But John invites us to go a step farther. That's, that's a lot. Mm -hmm. And as Wesleyans, as, as Jeremy said, we're, we believe that, like we're asked that at ordination. Do you believe you can move on to perfection? You know, yes, I do believe. Thanks. Then we step off right. the stage and, uh, and then we move on with life and, and like, no, no, um, God's perfecting love. And the thing about it is like, I always say, <clears throat> the only thing that allows me to say yes to that question about be expecting to be made perfect in this life is mm-hmm. me not limiting the power of the Holy Spirit, That's which it. is what the right. Advent season is about. God with us. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. it all, it really, I mean, uh, whoever built this, this system called Christianity, built it. I, you know, it, cause it all, it all comes back around. It all comes back around. Um, and so I think that that should be, that should be something, uh, that we all ponder during this season, how open are we to 
allowing God to do the work of being with us, of transforming through us with through God's presence, um, especially in the Advent season, because it'll it'll set us up for for how we go into 2023, right. you know, and how we see ourselves and how we see our place in our church and in our community, um, but also how we see God's place in our life. Yeah. That was a great segue to talk about what's coming in um, after Christmas, which is 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 looking into 2023. And, and we are going to invite all of you to ask that question of what is God doing in you? What has God been doing in you? And for you to look at your meaning and purpose in a bigger picture, in a John, in a John level cosmic understanding of, of where God has invited you to be part of um, all of creation. Um, so that sounds really big, but we're going to walk through it together. So um, got a whole year to do it in. Right? Yeah, as yeah. we as we move towards uh, Christmas now, um, and and as we uh, look towards a new year, uh, that that's coming. So we hope that you will join us both this Sunday as we um, look at our last Sunday of Advent and look at the Gospel of John, um, and then on Christmas Eve. And you can find all of those times on our website. There are nine services for me, for you to choose from. Um, so you can join us for any or all of them uh, if you would like to either volunteer and help out um, or be a part of any of those. So we will see you uh, this Sunday and then for Christmas Eve.